Welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. And before I introduce our guest, uh, I, I just want to put a shout out to this segment's sponsor, Honest Talk International. This organization has experts to tackle issues and questions related to nutrition, fitness, parenting, relationships, intimacy issues. I encourage you guys to visit their site, honesttalkinternational.com. Gosh, guys, I know some of us at some point in our lives uh, looked at others and thought, how the heck do I rise above the crowd? How can I be the elite? Even if we were considered part of the elite, we often still want to get better. And it it all starts with a mindset. And, And today's topic is how to develop a top gun mentality in the marketplace. And, and to help us unpack this subject is Dwight John Zimmerman. He's a best-selling and award-winning author, radio show host, producer, and president of Military Writers Society of America. He's authored many titles, some being The Vietnam War, uh, A Graphic History, Uncommon Valor, The Medal of Honor, and uh, gosh, you know what, Dwight, you were also the co-author with Bill O'Reilly of the New York Times, number one best-selling Lincoln's Last Days. I'm excited to have you on the show. Dwight, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here, and my mother definitely loves what you just told. It's said about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I I look forward to the day that you know you don't have to have a long intro, right? Like when you become president of the United States, it's like the president of the United States. You know, nobody says anything else. You know, for you and me, we still got to have these long intros. But uh, you are so accomplished. Um, I, I'm truly honored to have you on the show. I, I know that today you're recognized as like a military historian. Um, one of the best, as a matter of fact. And I, what I found so intriguing about your background is before you even journeyed down that road, you started at Marvel Comics as a writer and editor in 1977. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of seeing this superhero theme occurring in your life. T- tell us about this whole Marvel experience. This is a big deal now, especially with all the movies coming out. But I, I, how did you get started there? How did you go from Marvel to what you're doing now to becoming, you know, dive deep in military history? Just crazy past. So talk to me about Marvel. Well, um, I needed the money. <laughs> Good. Yep, I get it. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, uh, you could not map out uh, my career path because it has gone all over the place. Uh, years ago, I had the honor of being uh, the uh, keynote speaker at a high school commencement uh, event, and uh, I, I told you know, these graduates that, uh, you know, I'm not from a small town in North Dakota, uh, 7,000 people, and I told them that uh, if the me of now had gone back to the me, you know, sitting where you guys are, and said, by the way, you would be doing this, that, the other thing, they would have said, you're crazy, you know, this just doesn't happen. But it, but it did. Uh, I, I had the focus. I had the drive. I also had a, a key moments, a fair amount of luck. Because all successful careers, you know, incorporate luck. Uh, and uh, in my you know, particular case, I, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my passions were comic books, science fiction, and military history. And uh, when I had the opportunity uh, to get into publishing, I decided that the quickest way in was to learn the printing trade 
because printing, after all, you know, involves publishing. Yeah. And so I got in the side door uh, with my print production skills as opposed to the front door uh, where everybody else was trying to get in, you know, claiming to be the next great writer or what have you. Uh, and the key moment is you, you get in however, you know, you need to. You know, it's like that classic story of uh, you start out in the mailroom and, you know, whammo, whammo, there you are, president of the company. Well, I didn't quite go that far, but I did get in. And, of course, once I got in, I kept my mouth shut and my ears open, learned from uh, the editors and writers. Uh, it was a great on-the-job training. And uh, eventually I started pitching story ideas and uh, got turned down, of course, initially. But uh, they knew me, and they gave me, you know, editors gave me pointers. And uh, at one point, I wound up selling stories. And then, you know, of course, once you make the initial sales, then it gets easier and easier. And over the years, uh, the career just built. Um, you know, I, I'm, Dwight, I want to jump in here because this this is so important, and I don't want people to miss it, is I love what you said about you got in, right? You did whatever it took to get in. Right. You didn't just sit there and go, listen, I got to start as a project manager. I got to start as a, you know, editor copy or, you know, whatever you, you, like you said, you got in a side door, but you had a vision of what you wanted to accomplish. And I love that. And I think that's an important point. Um, because you, you're extremely successful today, but you had the initiative to just get started. And I think that's so important. I mean, so important. What you know? What exactly uh, you know, are the things that you guys are going to bend on? And uh, I was obviously very flexible in what I needed to do just to get in. And uh, and and so long as I you know had the strategic goal in mind, then it's just like, well, what what now that I'm in, what can I do to help me ultimately achieve that goal? Who do I learn from? Who's you know who do I get to to be a mentor, Uh, and obviously there were a lot of mentors uh, in in my career, and uh, and it doesn't have to be someone who is superior, in other words, like an executive editor or editor-in-chief. It could be someone who is just as, you know, in the mailroom, because you learn from everybody. Uh, Everybody has something to contribute, and so long as you are always open and willing to listen, and that's the real key that I saw in a lot of people. Uh, they use their mouth more than they use their ears. Mm, and, great point. Great point. And also, I uh, saw some tremendously talented you know, individuals, but they just didn't have the discipline. So, And you need to be disciplined. Uh, in, to any successful person you know, has to have dedication. Uh, I, I, would, I told my kids, I said, you know, you, you've got the skills, you know, and you will become successful in your life. But the key thing that you have to remember is you have to be persistent. You will always experience failure uh, at some point and setbacks. Do not let them overcome you. Learn from those failures. You will mm. learn more from your failures than you will from your successes. And Lord knows I had a bunch of spectacular failures and boy, did I learn. I, yeah, amongst other things, I learned, don't do that again. Right. <laughs> well, see, and that's wisdom, right? You develop wisdom if you start learning from your failures. I, 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 I love that. It's so good. 
you know, what I, what I truly, you know, as I was looking at your bio and just, and, and you're known to me. I mean, you know, obviously I'm an author and, and, you know, I've, I've followed some of your work and I even have some of your work on my shelf. You have not made only a study of this century, but past centuries, and your work on Lincoln was a national bestseller, um, and for some considered one of the best presidents in the country, certainly because of what he had to, what he had to rise up to in order to lead a nation, and, and certainly a divided nation at that time. So, what would you say, studying some of the great leaders over the years, what are some of the common themes and principles, um, have you found have you found anything that's common or the principles that some of these most recognized leaders share uh there were a number of uh traits uh, even among those such diverse uh, individuals as lincoln and eisenhower and washington you know they all kept calm when others around them were losing their heads they owned mm-hmm. up to their they owned up for their failings and learned from them. They weren't afraid to be afraid, but they refused to let fear control them. And they weren't intimidated by people smarter than they were. Instead, they tried to learn from those people. Uh, Lincoln especially, uh, his cabinet was uh, famously called a team of rivals. You know, some of them felt that they better deserved to be president than he did. And he outfoxed them all and got them all to be a part of his uh, team working together. That's uh, brilliant. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's a maturity in le- leadership right there, and I think that's a mindset. I, I think that, you know, that goes along our, our you know, our, our topic of, you know, how do you develop that, because that is an art, I think. Um, I mean, that's, uh, gosh, we could dive so deep on that. I, I want to make a, a point, because I know oftentimes our listeners, you know, they, they listen during commuting hours, which is 20, 25 minutes. It's so deep that we could go, Dwight, and I'm, I'm just honored to have you on the show. But I want to I want to bring people's attention to this new, I'm calling it a work of art, uh, your top gun 50 years of naval superiority, uh, superiority uh, that is now av- available. This book is awesome. I've got it on my shelf. I've been flipping through it like I told you. Of course, I'm biased. Um you know, it was that film, Top Gun, that got me into the Navy. I mean, a very, a, a no, I mean, people that listen to this, they know the story. I don't know if you know the story, but man, I saw that movie. I walked into the recruiter's office. I looked right at him and I was there in that shiny press white uniform. And I said, I am Tom Cruise. I'm going to date Kelly McGillis and I'm going to fly cold jets. Uh, uh, two, two out of those three did not happen. <laughs> I did join the Navy. Uh, I I did, in fact, find my own Kelly McGillis, uh, which is, uh, in my opinion, far better. But um, but I loved uh, I love this book. I mean, there's such a rich history in this. And according to your press release, that movie helped America shake off the trauma of, of the Vietnam War and once take pride again in this military. I did not realize that. I mean, I just saw it as a, you know, teenager, like very cool movie, but it had such a deeper meaning. So walk me through that uh, because I wasn't aware that America was still suffering more than 10 years after the Vietnam War ended, that they were still suffering from, from that. So how did that movie not only become the world's greatest recruiting film, but it helped the nation, I mean, transform a nation. Talk, talk to me about that. Okay. Well, it was twofold. Uh, first, uh, the military itself had to uh, reinvent itself uh, in the wake of uh, the debacle in Vietnam. And uh, 
Vietnam definitely cast a long shadow across our nation in so many ways. Uh, I addressed that. It, it was even beyond uh, 1986 with the, the Top Gun Tom Cruise movie. Uh, in my Vietnam War graphic history, for instance, I opened with three quotes. The first from 1991 when President George H.W. Bush, referring to Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, says, I've told the American people that this will not be another Vietnam. And in 95, there's this quote from pundit Bill Mayer, the, a lot of people have warned President Clinton that Bosnia will turn into another Vietnam. And mm-hmm. even into you know, 2004, when Senator Edward Kennedy said, Iraq is George Bush's Vietnam. I, so, you know, insofar as the nation was concerned, there, it, it still lingered, you know, and... Uh, it's only been superseded by what's gone on in Afghanistan, unfortunately, now. But getting now going to uh, 1986, uh, what the Navy saw in uh, the Tom Cruise movie was an opportunity to change the public's perception of the military and to restore you know, the, its reputation. Uh, this, the story, as you know, it, it's an exciting story. It's got a dynamite cast. And, of course, you have the Tomcat, which was uh, arguably the most exciting uh, performer you know, in the film. Yeah. People, yeah. Coming, people coming out of the you know, movie, you know, well, you saw the, you know, the kiosk, uh, the recruiting kiosk set up there. Um, the Navy just uh, went gangbusters recruiting every young man, and at that time it was only young men who could be fighter pilots, you know, yep. to sign up to be the next Tom Cruise. And, of course, you know, as you discovered, well, there's the reality of being in the Navy and uh, trying to become a fighter pilot is a heck of a lot different than what Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer were doing in uh, on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. And but what made that? Because I know the critics kind of panned it when it first came out. Like you know, history shows that. Listen, it wasn't made. It was like what made for fifteen million dollars. I think the critics were like, "Hey, this you know this film is not that great." Uh, but yet, you know, it, within thirty days, it opened up to forty percent more theaters. What what was it about that movie when you did your research that made it so great? They hit lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, it's that uh, thing where um, you recognize it when you see it. And there was just magic where it all came together. Uh, the cast, the story, the director, um, the props. I mean, you know, it's pretty darn exciting to be, you know, on an aircraft carrier and watching these uh, aircraft, you know, zooming off catapults. Uh, and into the sky, and uh, the special effects were just, uh, which are basically, you know, great camera angles. Uh, people, you know, behind the camera just did an absolute first-class job. The story itself, well, yeah, you, you, you can pick it apart like crazy, but that's beside the point. Uh, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, the real point was that all these elements came together to produce a greater whole than the sum of the parts. Yeah, no, it's so cool. You know, I, 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 I uh, there's so, gosh, Dwight, I'm going to have to have you back on the show, but uh, it's, you know, there, there, there's I'll so be there. Many, 
you've hit, you know, this, this, I mean, just the history, just the, just everything about this stuff. I just love this, but um, I want to really tie this off for some of our listeners because, you know, that the film made it look amazing. And to your point, it does take a special breed to get into that school. I mean, they're separate from other even aviators, right? I mean, people that are flying, um, what, you know, you, and you studied this, there are, parts of those attitudes though because that is an attitude it's an attitude it's a discipline it's it, it's things that separate how can people develop in your opinion because you studied leaders you study the film you know this you know how the school was even founded you know based out of vietnam how can everyday individuals adopt parts of this mentality or discipline or can they or do you think that's just like born into people or can people you know what are one or two things that people could adopt that you saw people adopt in that top gun school well Obviously, uh, a type A personality helps uh, in order to be a fighter pilot. Uh, it's not necessary. Uh, you can have a quiet, uh, reserved individual who is quietly driven as opposed to the one who really you know, is outwardly competitive. Uh, the, you know, it, it really boils down to what's important. Uh, what's important to you? Uh, growing up in a small town in North Dakota, rural, where everything is uh, either agriculture or you know linked to agriculture, uh, I was you know wanting to go into a career that nobody you know could figure out you know, and that there was really in the foreseeable future at that time no chance in hell for me to achieve that dream. Mm. Yeah. Yet I did. You know, I found a way you know, to, to make it work. Um, if it's really that important to you, you will find a way to make it work. It may not be the most obvious way. It may not be the most direct route. I At one point in my career, uh, at the early stages of it, hell, I was slinging pieces of Pizza Hut. Which is about oh, yeah. as far away from writing uh, uh, in comic books as you can. However, it was learning about life. Yeah, such and, and, a dealing, good point. and dealing with people. Yep, such a great point. You know that uh, I think that's missed today in, in, in kind of our culture, right? It's like, nope, my target is X. If I can't do X, you know, I, I'm just going to take unemployment toward you know. Although we don't see that necessarily in, in, in the guys that are transitioning. I, I think, you know, you're such a student of history. You've studied success, failures, the gray zones, what we call, you know, the gray zones, people with talent who think they would add, you know, you know, who we think would add so much value to the market, but history shows they probably fell short uh, because they just didn't engage or they, you know, they allowed fear to overcome. And what advice do you have for those who are transitioning that would aid them in finding their next mission and purpose and kind of developing that, that top gun mentality in the marketplace. What, what one bit of advice, Dwight, do you have for him? Well, you're putting me on the spot here, fella, because I'm a <laughs> lifelong, a lifelong civilian. Uh, and, well, uh, hey, you know what? <laughs> here's the thing is, now granted, you know, those of us that served in the military, you know, you know, we, we, we were ingrained with mission and purpose, but you found mission and purpose. And I think there's a commonality there. And so I just want to hear from you. You've studied it. Like, you might have not lived, you know, that whole experience of being in the military, but you've studied it. And so 
that's why I want to hear from your perspective. What do you think it is? What is that one bit of advice that aids people in finding their mission, their next purpose? Well, the one clear advantage that anyone who served in the military is that uh, you were taught discipline. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, you, you know, had your uh, MOS. Uh, yep. And in, in some cases, you know, that uh, specialty is uh, easily translatable you know, into uh, the civilian realm. But even if it isn't, um, there are aspects of it. You know, you're dealing with under stress. Uh, you're, you know, management, uh, whether you're, uh, whether you were a junior officer or an NCO, uh, you have to lead people. You have to work as a team. Uh, you will find that employers will appreciate you having served and will see you as a, someone who can be dependable. Uh, and the other good thing is that, uh, especially if you haven't had a college education you know, prior to military service, uh, you've got the GI Bill. And uh, so you couple... Uh, a, and it doesn't have to be a four-year college degree. It can still be a um, um, community college, a two-year degree, trade school. I went to trade school. I learned to be a printer. I did not go. I did not go to a university, a four-year university, to learn how to write. I taught myself how to write. Yeah. Well, and I think what you landed on was you found what would bring you joy. And you did whatever it took to lead you on that path. And I, I think that's an important part is, you know, you, you, one can chase the money, you can chase the jobs, you can chase these different things, certifications, you know, degrees, et cetera. But find what brings you joy and then dig into it and do whatever it takes. Get in the side door, like you say, right? It might not be sexy how you get there, but, you know, do whatever it takes to, you know, to accomplish what brings you joy. I, Dwight, I, I, gosh, I just want this thing to be like longer, but, uh, I love your book, this, you know, your latest book, Top Gun, 50 Years of Naval Superiority, uh, is, is brilliant. It's wonderful. I love the history. I love the pictures. I love everything about this book. Uh, it's available now. How do people, how do people get their hands on it and how do they follow you? Okay. Uh, the book is available at Barnes & Noble and all fine bookstores, uh, the brick-and-mortar stores, and also uh, at Amazon you know, and other Internet outlets. Me, uh, well, I have a Facebook site. Uh, you can just uh, keywords uh, Dwight John Zimmerman, and that's J-O-N, by the way, not uh, the Scandinavian spelling of John. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and uh, so I regularly post uh, things. And... I've been working on trying to get a website going. Uh, I have friends who say, you need a website. And I go, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and somehow life always keeps intruding about the time that I'm getting around to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a brilliant book. Dwight, I have been – it has been truly my honor to interview you. And I want to have you back on the show because I know that we could go so deep in so many of these areas. I mean, we didn't even really talk about how Top Gun School came about, 
Uh, I think that's for a later show, but how that even, you know, began to formulate and what people can learn from that. Like, you know, how do we learn from our past and build things in the present to go ahead and, and, and really protect us, you know, for, for the future. So, so much to go. But Dwight, thank you for being on the show. Listeners, I encourage you to pick up this book, uh, Top Gun, 50 Years of Naval Superiority, uh, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places that you could get books. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Sir Dwight, thank you, my friend, for being on this show. Thank you, Mike. It's been a genuine pleasure. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.